Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. With that said, let me dive in this morning. We start this new series, Hope About End Times. And what we're doing with this series is we're just focusing each week on another promise um, of God. The song we sung, the second one we sung, you know, is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that all of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. All of his promises are yes. Jesus, because of knowing him, he draws us into any, all the old covenant promises into the New Testament, all of them are yes in Christ Jesus. And so we're focusing on some of these fundamental truths and promises of God in this series uh, related to the end times, related to the future, related to what we have to look forward to um, to build our faith, right, during these times. And many of these things... Uh, we, we don't un- understand, we don't hold on to it during times like this of uncertainty, our, our trust in God, or it gets rocked and we miss the hope, we miss the foundation of those, of those things. Last week we looked at the idea of what hope is, that it equals our confidence plus endurance and to the importance of understanding our confidence in what Jesus has done for us on the cross already, plus endurance. And endurance, it can only happen as we gather, as we spark one another, the Christian life. We can't maintain our confidence. We, we drift away without the brothers and sisters, right, encouraging um, one another uh, in the process. So this morning, we want to look at this great promise. What happens when we breathe our last? When we die, the Christian hope, the promises we're going to see, the, the, the promise is that when we die, we are immediately with Jesus in paradise. We are immediately with God uh, when we breathe our last. And, and that is, is a critical assurance that God's people are to have, not only for our own lives to live and understand, have a whole new perspective on death, but also to bring that hope, right, alongside people who are struggling or losing a loved one or whatever it may be, is we're to be people of hope. We're to have that confidence, right, and understand because of what Jesus has done for us in defeating the power of death is that he has promised that we are with him. Uh, first, or, uh, Philippians chapter 1, Paul says it very clearly, right? He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he said, I'd much rather, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'd much rather be with Jesus. I'd much rather be departed, right, than to be here is Paul's heartbeat. Um, but he says, I know that I need to live on. I have some more years. I, God has some work for me to do. Um, and that really challenges us as a church, as, as God's people, to say, boy, am I focused on that? Is that my hope, or am I so focused horizontally on what God is doing, what's happening in the world, that I've lost that hope? Have I built up my hope to really live by the great confidence we have in the gospel and what Jesus right, has done for us? And so this morning, unequivocally, before uh, all of us, to realize that the scripture is very clear that if we know Jesus, when we breathe our last, in that very moment, we're in the presence of God. We are with Jesus in his very presence. Now this morning, the title of this, uh, I titled this, What Side of Jesus Are You On? My original title is, What Side of Jesus Are You On? The Right or the Left? And um, yes, exactly. That is why I did not title it that. Um, is because this is not a political message at all. Um, But what it is about is when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified with a thief on both sides of him. And the question, all of humanity, every one of us, identifies with one of those thieves. And whoever, whichever thief we identify, determines completely my assurance, my relationship with God, and my assurance of what happens when it comes to death when it comes to my future and all the future promises 
which side of Jesus are you on? Which side of Jesus are we on? Which thief, which criminal do we identify with? That sets the tone for our entire eternity, our, our, our entire life. And that's what I want us to uh, look at this morning in, in uh, Luke chapter uh, 23. Now, um, just before we get in there, a little background here. Uh, Jesus has already gone through the, the course of, of the, the, before the Sanhedrin, before the chief priests and everything, and uh, before Rome, and he's on his way, the Via Dolorosa as such, through Jerusalem out to Golgotha, right outside of, of Jerusalem to be crucified, along with two other um, thieves. And we'll see here in the context that since it was Passover weekend, or Passover had just occurred and everything, a feast weekend is the other, many people travel into Jerusalem to celebrate. And we'll see this guy, we don't know much about, Simon Iserene, he was called from the sidelines of watching what was going on to come bear Jesus' cross because Jesus was weakened by the brutality of, of being whipped. The other thing I just want to put before we get into this is you'll notice when you read the gospel accounts of the crucifixion, you'll see that the gospel writers, they did not include all the blood and gore, the reality of what happened there. They went, it's just, as we're going to see here, it says, and they were crucified. And he moves on to deal with the heartbeat of each criminal and how they responded and the response of the crowd, soldiers, priests, and religious people to Jesus and to the crucifixion. And so I, I just want to point us to think about something that um, uh, you know, maybe you saw the passion of Christ and those things and we can sit and watch that and get moved by the gore and, and everything Jesus did for us and that can be important but throughout church history unfortunately what's happened when it comes to the crucifixion the gospel itself is, is that we wrap it in a whole bunch of religion we wrap it in a whole bunch of, of man's traditions and focus on things other than what God the gospel writers want us to primarily focus on which is which side of Jesus are we on? In other words, what are we, what is our heart going to do with Jesus? What is our heart going to do with what <clears throat> he's done for us? And uh, just the course of time and history is that mankind, when we, we take uh, uh, the gospel and we keep adding to it, we keep putting things that initially were good things that we thought that would have us focus on everything. But what happens is, is that we move into a place of religion where we're more focused on our traditions, our way of things being done, than we do the gospel itself and to a relationship with Jesus. We'll see these two thieves. It comes down to ultimate a relationship with God. And you'll see this lived out, the simplicity of what it takes to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. The power of that, right, is not wrapped up in all the things that we've added to it over the years. It comes down to a conversation about who Jesus is. And all of humanity falls into one side or the other. All of humanity either identifies with the thief on one side that's sitting there railing, questioning God, doubting God, and the other side, which is humble and repentant and sees Jesus for who he is. And simply with simple faith, uh, we'll see the, the criminal on that side just says, Jesus, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And these words, folks, Jesus says today, today, there's the promise. When you breathe your last, even though you've lived a life of thievery away from God, because of your confession, because of your repentance, because of your recognition of me today, today you'll be with me. Don't miss that part. With me in paradise. 
with him. And folks, it's that simple. So much of the gospel is that simple and of aligning ourselves with him. And when church was meant to be, you look at the book of Acts, it wasn't a whole bunch of, of confusion. There was some simplicity about when God's people gathered together to encourage each other. Communion was at the center. It's Jesus. It's what he's done for us. It's remembering him. And it's gathering around to encourage, to hear from the word of God and to encourage each other in the things of God and the promises of God to build each other up right? So that we, our faith would be strengthened. We'd be encouraged in the promises of God and what he's done for us, that those be reestablished, right, in our lives. Because boy, as we know, we, we get out in the world and, and, and we get beat up. If we stood the, the pressure of, of what was going on in this, what we're getting ready to read, the crowd railing everybody, the religious leaders, the, the passerbys, there's Roman soldiers, even the thief on one side was just railing at Jesus. It was a mob attack, a mob mentality, right? that took over and um, more and more right in our culture today the things of God the things of the word of God right is is set aside being set aside it's being right condemned it's being minimized and it's being criticized and God's people no one no one can stand in the midst of all of that unless without encouragement from the body with each other right to stay firmly rooted in the sense of where our promises are, who the one we know, the one that we're in relationship with is Jesus, and to have the strength to be able to make a stand to please God and not man or the culture or whatever's going, but to, to understand that we're to please him. As we'll see, the thief here um, with Jesus that made the profession, he made a stand, even in the midst of everything going on, he made a stand to please God ultimately. And again, all of humanity relates to either one side or the other of these two responses of the, these criminals to Jesus. And, and those responses determine the promises of how each one was going in just hours into death and the rest of eternity, how they responded, right? Set a tone, right, for, for that all of eternity for either one. One had the assurance that today when he breathed his last, he was going to be with the Lord in heaven. And the other right, is decided to go into eternity, to go towards death alone, without any promises, only with his pride and with his own intellect and willing to clench his fist at God and blame God for not interacting. And, and we'll see that that thief, he, didn't, he wasn't concerned about, about any kind of redemption. He just wanted God to act and get him off um, save his life so he could go on and live his life like he wanted to live his life. And today, folks, is this what weeds out those who know him and those who don't? Many come to church. They want God to do something for them. They want God to fit into their agenda. And that's the culture we've created right into America. When we've chucked truth out the window and your truth is your truth, my truth is your truth, we suppress the truth of God is that we are reaping now the consequences of that where there is no unity in our country or nation any longer. Right, because there is nothing to hold us together. Right, because your truth is your truth, right? It's all polarized. We have elevated diversity above unity, and we're reaping the consequences of that. That will lead us to a place, ultimately, right, of saying that, but like the criminal on one side, that I'm willing to go through life and just, I'm good enough. I'll make my stand before God. I'll go to court before God, before a holy God. There's no fear of God, as we're going to see. Right in that. And folks, I, I just, I open that up to you this morning. Where's the fear of God today? Where's the fear of God? In the midst of our actions and everything, where's the fear of God, the reverence before a God? Where's responsi personal responsibility? Where's that today? 
And, and let's take it a little further. Where is personal responsibility that, you know, one day, the scripture is very clear, every one of us will stand before God and give an account for our life. It says every word that comes out of my mouth. Where's the fear of God? To say that, you know, maybe I, I should, like the one, one thief, maybe I, I need to, to have some repentance. Maybe I need to have some reverence. Maybe I need to start asking some questions when it comes to my responsibility in this life to live this life that was a gift to me. None of us did anything for our life. Everything you are, everything I am, all of your DNA, all of who you are was given to you. You had nothing to do with your existence here right now. It is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. And so how is, at what pride to think that I'm in control of my body? What pride to say that I'm going to go through life making my decisions and, and, and questioning God? Where's the fear of God? Now the problem is, there's no fear of God in the church today. Because if there's fear of God in the church, as we're going to see, the second thief hits his, leans across Jesus and, and tells God, where's your fear? Do you not fear God? There's a church today, there's no fear, and there's not the confidence, the hope of the assurance we have of eternities in the balance. This isn't just kind of God going to grade on the curve one day. Everybody's, ah, it's good enough, fall into that water. That's nowhere in Scripture. Jesus didn't go to the, to the massive loving action that he did on the cross so that we would live this passive idea of, well, it'll just all work out in the end. No. Scriptures are real clear. Every, all of humanity is either on one side or the other of Jesus. One that decides to go through life on their own and to stand before God just claiming their own goodness and will take whatever comes. The other side recognizes our great need of a Savior and understands the magnitude of what God has done for us, has some humility and repentance, fears God, and receives the grace of God the free gift that God has for them, and therefore enters in to Jesus' kingdom. So if you want to follow along with me, this is Luke chapter 23, um, starting verse 26. And as they led him, Jesus, away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem. Now, just picture this. Simon, Jesus is just, he's all beat up. He can hardly walk, let alone carry the cross. So they pull Simon, this, this person, right out of the crowd and put the cross on him. And, and he's following Jesus, carrying the cross. Jesus is in front, barely making it. And all in that day and age, sometimes they would even hire lamenters around funerals and the death of people and they would just be lamenting over this process Jesus stops in the midst of this and on his way to the cross and he gives this prophetic word and it's no messing around daughters of Jerusalem do not weep for me but weep for yourselves and for your children for behold the days are coming when they will say blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed then they will begin to say to the mountains fall on us and to the hills cover us for if they do these things when the word is green what will happen when it's dry now, I'm going to get more in detail historically on that through this week's um, Daily Faith Builders, but I just want to say this. Here's a prophetic word. What Jesus basically is, is calling out is saying, don't weep. Understand the magnitude of evil in the world and the magnitude of God's judgment in the world of what is coming. 
and understand that that's coming that should cause a, a, a response, a fear of God among people, right, that would move us towards a humility of pursue, pursuing God, right, to bring salvation. Instead, in other words, he's telling the, the mourners to say, think about your, where are you? Which side are you going to be on? Which side of Jesus are you going to be on? Verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, see, Luke wasn't concerned about what the, the trauma of what was happening around the crucifixion. He went straight to Jesus' words. In the midst of all this trauma, was Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers mocked him also, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. And Pilate did that to smite the Jewish leaders. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. That word in the Greek means he blasphemed Jesus, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Wow. And I think, folks, when we're pressed, here's the reality of things. With that criminal, what was going on here with Jesus and these two being, being put to death in a horrific manner, when we're pressed... What's really on the inside comes out. I was like the old illustration of parenting. You know, you take the tooth of toothpaste and you squeeze it, right? And, and it, something pops out. When we're pressed in life, what's really on the inside comes out. And you see it here. All of humanity's on one or two sides. When they were pressed, and none of us, COVID's nothing. What's going on now is Nothing of what the scripture says yet to come, right? And Jesus says, be ready, be watchful. Church, encourage each other, gather, don't forsake, gathering together, encourage each other, press in, right? Strengthen each other's face because, man, when that pressure comes, what's on the inside, it comes out. What's really in there, it comes out. And when that thief was pressed, what was coming out? An insecure, unassured, prideful heart, angry at God, angry at the world, blaming everybody, living for himself, willing to go live his life and go to death on his own terms, blaming God, questioning God, and not, not concerned for his salvation, his soul, not concerned for eternity, but only concerned for the here and now, his living in the now moment of God. If you're really Jesus, get us off this cross, save us. Only concerned for his own agenda, his own time. That's all, that's what popped out versus the other one. Look at this. Man. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him saying, you're not the Christ, or are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other, listen to this, rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he said, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Man, when the heat came on, what came out of this criminal? The heat came on, this criminal, we don't know, but obviously by his response, he'd been listening. He'd heard about Jesus. He'd heard about the kingdom. He, he knew that Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. He, he, he had heard, I mean, everybody had heard of Jesus in Jerusalem. And even in the midst of his life of thievery, right, is that he, he, something was going on. And when he was pressed, what came out? Humility, repentance, fear of God, an awakening, an understanding, a willingness to look at his own personal responsibility in this life and in the next, right, and a willingness to just thrust himself, to surrender himself uh, before God. With a simple, and, and you just see the child, like the scripture says, unless we're like a child, we can't come to God. At the intellectual, the intellect often is a barrier to God, barrier to faith, right? And it's, it's in sanctification. We have to bring our intellect in surrender, right, to, to faith and to what God calls us to. And you see this just, this, this heart that it, when it's squeezed, is, is he, he had to re- rebuke the other criminal. Do you fear God? Look what's going on here. And so just a couple comments as we look at this story. Again, folks, which side of Jesus are we on? Where's our assurance? And, um, and folks, for those of us that know Jesus, and in the, these pressures where the pressure's coming on, and the pressure is coming on at a larger scale, maybe in any of our lifetimes, and not slowing down at all, is, well, are we going to encourage each other? Are we going to stand strong? You know, are we going to cave? Are we going to slowly step back? Right? And, and lit the crowd and the, the mob mentality, lit the culture, lit even religion. Remember, it was the soldiers, so those are, those are in power. It was Rome that was there. It was the religious powers at hand. And it was the passerbys, all the other crowd, the community of Jerusalem, that was in unison, what? Blaspheming, right? Judging, criticizing, anger at God. If you are really who you say you are, do something, just come down from that cross, right? They were testing God. That's what was in their hearts. And it's very clear you have the chasm again between those who are more concerned about pleasing themselves on one side and then the other side, you see this one thing. He was, he was passionate about what? Pleasing God, first and foremost. So when we look at this, the thief, the first thief, who was blaspheming, you know, railing at God. I just ask us to think about on this issue, boy, has there been time? I think more and more do I realize just looking back at my own life and also just, just talking and journeying with people is, boy, the thing, more than anything that just halts people in their progression oftentimes with God is that something happens in their life, some great disappointment, some trauma, some suffering in our lives. And, and what happens is we, we play the thief, that first thief. We start blaming God. And remember, folks, we live in a shame-blame culture. We're polarized. Everybody wants to blame somebody else. Nobody's taking personal responsibility. I mean, just look at what's going on. It's staggering, right? And therefore, what happens when that starts playing? Then you don't start, then lawlessness takes over, right? And and, and when personal responsibility falls away, then we play that blame game, 
Right? We, we, we miss right, the heart of God. We harden our hearts on this. And, and I just ask you, right, is there a place? Nothing halts somebody's walk in blessing with God. And the grace of God in our lives, like getting angry with God and staying stuck right there. God, you should have done this. Why did you do that, God? What, Lord, why did you allow that to happen? Why, did, why didn't this happen? Why didn't you do that? In other words, it's shifting my mind to a place where God is there to, to meet my agenda, right? Rather than a complete surrender, right, of my agenda to God. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, right? And so the first thief over what we see is his willingness to blame God. In other words, to question God on his sovereign goodness and understanding and to put that into his framework, right, rather than a submission, right, to God and to trust God, right, um, for the process. And then we come to the, the second thief. And um, folks, it's interesting. The first thing out of his mouth is that he hears all the, all the you know, railing against Jesus from every turn uh, up there and, and, and something in him it squeezes out and he sees Jesus for who he really is and he rebukes the other criminal do you not fear God do you not fear God and I, I would just um, I would just throw this out as something to think about is we know there's very little fear of God in our nation today but also in the church itself there's not much fear of God there's not, a, a, there's not a sense of, of just, I've got to be right, personal responsibility before our maker, let alone personal responsibility with each other. Where's the fear of God? And when was the last time we actually stepped in, out of the love of God and out of the love of people's souls, and we actually got into people's lives, and we said that, brother, sister, is there not any fear of God in you? Because the way you're living, the decisions you're making, or where you're, you're at in, in, in your life, is there any fear of God? We need to restore those words in our language, in our discussion today when, when we're talking to people. And that's out of a place of assurance. That's out of a, a place of confidence and hope that we know that we're His, right? And that we can't be taken from His hands as the promise says. We know we're His and uh, the, a confidence comes that we're able to engage people, right? And we're more concerned about pleasing God in showing his love to people than we are about being PC or, or whatever it is of, about, oh, I don't want to offend them. We have got to break through that. You can't find anywhere in the scripture where, where it presents God's people, right, thinking about, oh, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to offend them. Right? The context was always, we need to please God and out of the love of God, people need to hear what the truth of God is. That means we have to step into people's lives and say the tough things out of love. And, and the, the motivation has to be, again, there's two options. Either I'm going, my eternity is going the way of that thief, which is away from the presence of God. To be alone forever, eternity. Or it's by the grace of God, right? And to, and to be with Jesus, as it says, the promise. And folks, I, the love of God can't be inside me if I'm not willing to make a stand and step into people's lives and have a conversation about the magnitude of that issue. But folks, let's be honest, right? This is not PC stuff, right, today in the sense of having to talk about eternal life and the consequence of what happens after death. The scripture is very clear. When we breathe our last, it's appointed once to die, Hebrews says, and then the judgment comes. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account for our life. 
The question is, am I going to stand there like the thief, the one thief, and, and, and sit there and try to prove to God that my goodness or why I should be there? Versus the other one that we stand before God and Jesus is the one who makes a way. He's the one who's our advocate, right? We stand under the grace of God in that thing. So, uh, and I think you see with this second thief, his understanding, his humility to realize, man, I, I, I am deserving of death. The word here for criminal, it means evildoer. It's applied to all of humanity. Um, stats came out last week, two stats that are, are, again, when we don't see church, we see r- radically what's happening in our nation, right? Church is no longer essential as a culture. And we keep redefining terms, right, that God has held out as sacred, right? We keep redefining what God has said clearly and how he created, and we redefine those things. What came out last week was that the majority of Americans, they do not think there is some inherent sanctity of life associated with human life. Any different than the animal world or anything else. That's another clear indicator of where the culture's at, right? But at the same time, the survey showed that the majority of Americans still believe that the majority of humanity is inherently good. Is inherently good. And, and we'll, we'll never see our need for God. There'll never be any fear of God if I'm, if I'm thinking and trying to do what culture is doing. Oh, no, we're good. We can fix these problems. We, we, can, we can fix this world. We can, you know, we've got the solutions. Rather than a humility that says, Lord, we are lost without you. Right? We, we can't get there. And this, you see this with the thief over here. He says, do you not fear God? Do you not see that we are under kind of, we deserve what we're getting. But he doesn't. And the thing that separated Jesus from these two and all of humanity, he was the perfect human, right? No one could hold him to any sin or any doing anything wrong. He was a perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect God-man. He, he was the son of God coming to rescue us. But that thief understood, I, I, I am, I must, I need a savior. Is that there, I will stand before God and, and I have nothing to offer unless God shows his, his radical grace, right? And then for him to turn to Jesus, I mean, what an amazing, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Wow, what, what faith and what understanding of what Jesus was, was calling up to, right? And just the final thing here, I just want to end with those words of Jesus. Um, man, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all the cultural uh, railing on Jesus. And folks, let, let's just be honest here. Right? In our culture today, you can rail on Jesus and Christianity all day long. You can take the name of God in vain, Jesus, his name, all day long in our culture. Why is that? Why is it that if there's a railing on any other path, any other thing, that oh, the, the whole community rises up? It should be proof. It should be proof, right, of his uniqueness, of his greatness, right? The same thing here. All the Romans, the religious leaders, right, everyone, the soldiers, etc., etc., the passers-by, those that were all there for the festivals, they were all, yeah, yeah, come on, if you, if you really are who you say you are, just come down from that cross. Do something. Show us. Prove us, God, that you are there. That's the Western voice today. That's the voice that has determined our culture today, folks, and it's a growing voice. 
And guess what? It's nothing shouldn't surprise us. It's all in the scripture, right? He says, as the time in times come, more will claim his claim some kind of insight, more will speak out against him. There will be more confused, spiritual confusion, on and on and on. And there will be persecution against his people and his truth. Shouldn't surprise anyone. The question is, how are we going to deal with this very polarized situation where we, we are having a hard time having a healthy discussion, right, with one another? And folks, this is where I think I leave it with you, Jesus' words from the cross, right? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I give that to you. If that is on my mind, you know what? When I engage someone that I radically disagree with, whatever the issue is, and I understand if that's my God, if that's how God's heart is in towards them, boy, how much more should my heart? It will change how I talk to them, how I listen to them. I'm not going to be concerned about winning an argument. I'm going to be focused on their heart. I'm going to be focused on, man, which side of Jesus are they on? And if they're on this side, Lord, please shine your mercy. Let me be a merciful voice. Let me change the conversation from politics or whatever, right, to eternal things, right? Let me change, be a vessel for that, right? And, um, and even more so, right, with, with those who today not, don't just disagree with us in a, a, a debate, but those that are actually advocating something that is not pleasing to God, those who are actually pushing the agenda that is anti-Christ, can I love them? How am I going to engage them and think that I, I need to do if, what God did, right? This side over here, the criminal was being of humility, and again, it's changing. Lord, if that's your disposition towards them, in the midst of that suffering, please, Lord, with those that are, are, are advocating something that is leading, right now we're leading people, families, individuals into such radical spiritual confusion. And in the name of trying, and unfortunately in the name of uh, much in the church, we're trying to w- kind of soft sell what God's word says and try to come alongside people. And No, the truth needs to be told. We need to talk about the fear of God and the conversation has to be changed back to the glory of God and that the day is coming when these people, these friends, all of us will stand before God and, and our perception should be, Lord, may your grace open their eyes. And the only way that can happen, you're not going to win an argument. No one gets won into the kingdom of God by an argument. It's by sacrificial love. It's by having that heartbeat of, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Please shine your grace. Please shine your mercy. If that took hold among believers, we would have a bridge right into people's lives today like no other. But that can't happen, folks, without our feet being firmly standing, firmly standing upon one of the many and glorious promises of God is that we're in his hands. Our future is set and solid. And out of the grace of God, just like this criminal, he did nothing. He received the grace of God. Jesus said, today, you'll be with me, right? Is that, it's that grace, right? It's that, that power. It's that goodness, that good news, right, that is going to set God's people apart, right, to be the light, right, to step in and to be able to change the conversation, right, to go a little deeper and to be able to be bold in what we're saying. Right, bold in what we're saying in the midst of a hostile and, folks, a growing hostile culture to the things of God. Okay? It shouldn't surprise anybody. Right? It's all right here. Jesus promised in this world, if you follow me, you will have tribulation. The question comes, 
is in this time of refining the church, who's going to make a stand? Who's going to stand with Jesus? Who's going to stand on this side of the cross? Versus who is going to slowly water down in the line and listen more to the mob, more to the culture, right, than, listen, uh, than listening to Jesus and being willing to make a stand, right, for him. Folks, you know what? If you read the scripture, Jesus asks us to, to count the cost and to follow him always. It, it, he, the only way for our faith to grow is he puts us in situations where we have to make a stand on him, on his word, on his truth, in the midst of the pressure, peer pressure, whatever it is, Right, this going against God. That's how my faith, that's how our faith is strengthened and confirmed in our life. And folks, we can only make that stand as we continue to gather together, right, and, and encourage each other with the promises of God, right, as we see that day coming, right? So which side of Jesus are you on? And uh, just as we move into just some prayer time at, in this closing, Steve and, or Derek, whoever's gonna come up, if y'all come and, just lead us some, some music here this morning. Um, we want to be the church. And when the church gathers, we see in Scripture, it's, uh, it wasn't just one-way communication. It was ministry with one another. And the way we strengthen each other is that we uh, exhort one another. We bring encouragement to one another. We bring testimony to one another. We pray for one another. We bring the word, the truth of God to one another, whatever it may be. And um, we're just going to enter into that time now and just enjoy his presence just just with the time left we have here we got two mics over here and just would encourage uh you if the lord has something sh- uh, short <laughs> you know but to encourage us come bring it to us encourage us. If, it's, if it's a scripture if it's a test quick testimony if it's an exhortation to exhort us bring it right um i'm going to say it again because it's important this this is there's no room for a political message at all here only the kingdom of god Right? This, is, this is a chance to, to speak about the things of God right? and to encourage each other right, during these times. So, Father, we just rejoice in you this morning and, um, Lord, your goodness. Father, I want to pray for anybody watching online, anybody here this morning. Father, if they don't have the assurance of which side of Jesus they're on this morning, I want to pray right now. I just ask you to pray with me. To have great assurance, simple faith that brings about salvation. Jesus, I believe you. I believe who you are. You're perfect. You were sent by the Father to come and redeem this earth. And Lord, I I confess I'm a sinner. I'm an evildoer. I I need a, a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need washing. I need your grace, Jesus. And I know no matter religion, no matter steps, no matter no matter amount of doing will get me there only you can I receive that freely if you pray that just like that thief on that cross you can be assured that this morning that whenever you breathe your last that you will be with Jesus in paradise in heaven for all eternity folks Father, I just ask you that you would uh, establish that truth firm, Lord, in our hearts this morning. Lord, we're yours. No one can snatch us out of your hands. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Let us encourage each other, Lord, right now this morning. We love you, Father.
Just come and share as the Lord leads. morning, Casey and I went up to Root Eye to practice some swimming. I'd been practicing swimming in the pool quite often, but this was my first open water swim, so I didn't really know what to expect. So we get out there, and Casey's leading out there, and before I know it, we're almost half a mile out in the middle of Root Eye, and I stop and look around and realize how far I am from the bank and start to have a panic attack. And my chest is tightening. I'm just gasping for air and trying to figure out, like, do I just float? What do I do? And Casey was a ways away, but I called out to him. And he swam back to me and helped me, held me. And I floated while I was able to catch my breath. And then he gave me a few tips on how to make my stroke better and how to be more efficient. And then he said, I want you to follow me. Just You'll see the bubbles by my feet. I want you to swim towards the bubbles and just trust that you're going the right way. And I couldn't see the, the um, boat ramp where we were trying to get to, but I just had to know we were just swimming from point to point. And I was, as I was reflecting on that this morning, God just showed me that this is what he wants to do for us. When we're in all new waters, and we're all in a season of new waters right now, and we're starting to drown, if we're being crippled by fear, if the enemy is trying to take over because we, we don't know where we are, everything's unfamiliar. He wants us to call out to him and he's right there. He wants to hold us, he wants to equip us, and he wants to lead us back to shore. So we finished that swim strong and I feel confident and God used that to, to show me and hopefully to show you all that if we just lean on him and let him lead us, he's going to get us through these unfamiliar times. Thanks, Ashley. I don't want to miss the point of that, but you've already been to Rudai and back. If anyone has an encouragement or a testimony or a, just a revelation from this uh, being together this morning, worshiping or hearing the word, and you want to share that with the body. I just want to share a prayer. Holy Father, uh, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the good God that you are and all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus Christ, we thank you for the sacrifice you've made that we can have that connection to God. And Holy Spirit, how much we thank you that you're our comforter. We have the knowledge and wisdom for all things in this world. We just need to be still to draw it out. And it's great, right, in these, in these moments of stillness, you're hearing, you're hearing things from the Spirit. You're thinking about those people you love. 
you're thinking about the things you want to do for those people, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we have the wisdom and knowledge. In here, we just need to be still to draw it out. And Father God, we thank you that you have planted a measure of faith in every one of us. And some will step forward and develop that measure of faith and they will grow and teach us. And Lord, we remove, we remove those works of the devil. We remove those people in our lives that are creating doubt. Jesus could not perform miracles in his own home because of the doubt, the doubt in his own village. Lord, we remove these people out of our life that are generating doubt and dampening our faith, Father, and we replace them with your helpers, with your saints and your angels. We put those people in our path, Father, and I know you're answering this prayer right now, to grow the body, to grow the faith and the church together in these uncertain times when people are hanging on to the news and they're hanging on to things that they're seeing and hearing and not believing in the word. Not believing in the word that you give us that is in front of us. Is the Bible open or closed on the nightstand? Get into it, Lord. That's the word from the the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you that you will remind us of the good things to do and how to pull through this. Like Ashley said, it's going to get weird out there. There's going to be points where we're going to be feeling like we're drowning. And I saw the fear in her eyes and I knew that to the peace, the peace. Can we call on these, what we know? I've been there before. I know that if we we just calm, we'll make it through. Lord, Father, we thank you that your word doesn't change. It never returns void. And you're carrying these people here now. We are trendsetting to bring back the gathering and show people this is God first. God first. We've made it. This whole civilization has made it through things way worse than COVID. Lord God, Father God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, we praise you and glorify you. And I thank you for this time together. Amen. Thanks, Casey. Hey, I don't. I think this is maybe quite obvious from Steve's message and uh, and Ashley's word, but I don't want us to miss this. This powerful yet um, amazing word. And I, I just, the one word I just keep hearing ringing over and over again all morning, and, and throughout this time is the word "simple." And uh, Steve Steve said it multiple times. Uh, Momo walked up this morning, said the word "simple" to me. Um, it just keeps coming to me over and over again. And I just want to read to us in John chapter six. There's one verse that that you know this is something that that the religious leaders constantly came. To Jesus or the disciples constantly came to him and they, they all kept saying what do we need to do we want what do we want to do and we we we're the same way we want to work for things we want to do all these things but Jesus's response was very simple and he said this in John chapter 6 verse 29 Jesus answered them he said this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent simple right simple faith just believing in the one Jesus that he has sent. And, and, and Jesus is telling us, he's saying, look, just believe in me. And, and, and don't, don't worry about the details and all the things that you need to do to overcome this situation. But sometimes the answer is right before us and it's so simple. And he just wants us to believe. 
And so I want to encourage us this morning because I think, I think perhaps there's, there's maybe many in here are watching online that are struggling and they're caught up in this, in this cycle of, of wondering what do I need to do next, just like these disciples were. And, and, and I just want us to, to direct ourselves to that simple thing that Jesus has said. It's his, this is his word. This is not my word. This is his word that says, hey, just believe in me. Just believe in the one that he has sent. And I just want you to believe. And just recently we had a, a, a guy get shared testimony about coming to faith. He was a Muslim before and he came to faith. And he went through all these, he was jumping through all these hoops. They, they were trying to lead him to, to Christ. And he even got baptized. And after he was baptized, he said, man, I, I still don't believe. You know, what's going on? Something's not not happening in here. And then one day he opened up the, the book of John. In John chapter 1, he read verse first verse and he said, and I believed. And all everything changed from that moment on for him. It was powerful. It was simple. And so I just want to pray that over us right now. If you feel like you're in that place of just working and striving and not getting anywhere or not seeing fruit in your life and, and, and joy and peace over a situation or whatever it might be, just feel like there's a wall there, I just want to pray that you will believe in the one whom he has sent. So, Lord, I lift up your word today, the word that you have given, that you have breathed out. And, Lord, I just pray that over this body and those watching, Lord God. And I pray a newness, Lord, as we sing that song, a new wine, that we have to lay down our old flames and pick up the new fire that you pour out. Lord, I pray right now that there is a surrender, Lord, that there is a laying down of the old flames, Lord, the work, the toil whatever it might be, the religious duties and things that that we feel like we have to do to earn things, Lord. And we just receive right now today, Lord God, we just want to receive this faith, Lord, this simple faith to believe in you, the one whom our God, the Father God has sent for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Brian. Brian, you don't know this, but after the first service, some of the worship team had a conversation upstairs, and that was our kind of summary of worshiping this morning, that it was just simple, and, and that God was really honored by that, and simple is a word we used a couple of times. We'll wrap up, but yeah, one more. Thank you. visiting from out of town from texas let me raise that and it feels so good to worship and be here today because um we haven't been able to worship in so long at home being that our church has you know been in quarantine and everything and i'm so touched to be here because my mom used to bring me here to this church she loved this church she's with the lord now in heaven and i'm just so grateful to have this worship time here with you. Um, it's been sad being here because we have Texas license plates and people have not been very friendly to us. <laughs> um, get out of town and this and that. And it makes me sad that their heart is so far from God. So I want to pray for those that people that are so lost. The message was so powerful. Thank you. Um, because we're so divided and it makes me sad. But I know God is doing such a beautiful part in those that believe. So I do want to be an encourager to those that don't know the Lord. Um, we are in such uncertain times and 
uh, as long as I come, I mean, I'm here in Aspen, I will continue to worship and come here because I love this church. And um, thank you for having us, me and my daughter. And we're so grateful to be here. Thank you. What's your name? Gail. Gail. Uh, Gail, would you pray? Would you pray? As, as, you, as you mentioned, let's just stand together. And uh, let's honor the Lord and pray to him together. Gail, thank you. Would you thank you so much, dear Jesus. Thank you. And we just are so grateful for being here. And everything that you do in our lives, you're a sovereign God. You're a good God. Um, we know that when we do take our last breath, we're just passers-by right now. I don't care where we come from, but we're just passing by and we just need to know that you're with us every day in these uncertain times and we're not going to be afraid and that when we do come to our last breath and hour that we are with you. There is hope for all of us to be in a better world, in a better place and I want to be on that humble side and trust you dear Jesus and for all the people that don't believe you know we just pray for the unbelievers because they need the Lord they're lost and for this town to know that we're just passing by and we need peace for everybody Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.